You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 28th, 2018. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. We are another day closer to the beginning of free agency. That will, of course, kick off Sunday night. We'll have a recap of the first night of free agency on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic. Um, but... As we've kind of made it clear, I think, throughout the, throughout the week as we've talked more and more and turned our attention more to free agency, the Magic aren't going to have a lot of activity in the free agent market. Um, uh, I'll, I'll lay out again the, the situation for the Magic here in just a moment. Uh, but, you know, we're not diving too deeply into the names because right now it's, it's really uncertain what direction the Magic are going to go. And it feels more certain and certainly uh, uh, more... Uh, probable that the Magic will explore the trade market more than the free agent market to improve the roster or at least change the roster. Um, with that being the case, I've kind of made it an editorial decision not to speculate on trades too much, not to throw too much against the wall. I've done that in the past, I know, uh, but I don't want to start spreading false rumors or or, or uh, kind of talk about things that, that don't have a backing sort of in, in reality. Now, um, having said that, we do know that there is a point guard issue. Uh, I, I would say that, yes, I would suspect that the Magic will be involved in the trade market when it comes to a player like Dennis Schroeder or a player like Eric Bledsoe or uh, Reggie Jackson from the Detroit Pistons uh, or, or any number of those players. I would also say that the Magic will probably look at point guards in free agency like Isaiah Thomas and and uh, Fred Van Vliet and, and, and plenty of others, but... Trades come out of nowhere, so I don't want to dive too deep into that. But what we do know is the free agent situation, and so let's lay that out here today and then talk a little bit more about the big free agent decision that the Magic have this summer. As as I've said, I think, on previous podcasts, um, dating back for a few months, so it's worth a refresher here. The Orlando Magic do not have very much cap room. It's something that even Jeff Weltman uh, acknowledged in an interview with Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel as he previewed what the Magic are going to try and accomplish this summer. Orlando just does not have a lot of financial flexibility or ability to make a lot of maneuvers in the free agent market. In fact, when you look at their salaries, just getting rid of cap holds, getting rid of players that they want to bring back, the Magic essentially have roughly $13, $14, 15000000 million of cap room. So, it's not that they're over the cap right now. If they wanted to, they do have the money to spend. And if they renounced every single one of their free agents, so Rodney Purvis, Ken Birch, Wes Lewandu, Aaron Gordon, if they renounced all those free agents, the Magic would have about $15 million of cap room. That should get you a decent starter. Not a, a high-end starter, but a decent starter. Of course, that's not how this summer is going to play out. The Magic have cap holds in place for Mohamed Bamba because that contract has not been signed yet. That's roughly, I think, 4 or $5 million. They have a cap hold on Aaron Gordon, although his contract is much lower because he's a restricted free agent. There is a much larger cap hold on him. That is about $16 million. And there goes all the Magic's cap room to begin with. Aaron Gordon will sign for much more than $16 million. So that will put the Magic over the cap. Orlando essentially this summer is operating like a team that is over the salary cap. That leaves very, very limited options to the Orlando Magic um, to to make moves and add players through free agency. In fact, it really leaves them with two options. 
well, three options. One is renounce everyone and you get all that cap room. And the second is your mid-level exception, which is about $8.6 million. You can use that on one player or split it amongst several. And their biannual exception, which I believe comes in at around $3 million. Not going to get a whole lot for that, but they do have it. If you use the mid-level or biannual exception, you are hard-capped for the year. The Magic won't approach that hard-cap number unless they really go on a spending spree in trades and bring in a lot more salary and, and, and bump up against the luxury tax line. Obviously, with the Magic uh, not being a competitive team, I would not suspect that Orlando will get near that luxury tax line. I don't think the Magic are interested in being a taxpayer. They are certainly willing to spend and get over the cap number um, to re-sign Aaron Gordon. Uh, but it's not looking like the Magic will spend so much or bring in so much money if they could, even if they could, um, and get near that tax line. I don't think that that is in the offing for the Orlando Magic. It's one of the reasons why I was kind of against the Chandler Parsons deal uh, and a couple other a couple other uh, um, deals that that brought in a lot of money. So Orlando's options this summer are indeed very very limited. They're not gonna be able to do a lot. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. If you wanted to go after a player again, just throwing the name out there. If you wanted to go after a player like an Isaiah Thomas, you would essentially just offer him a one or maybe two year deal at that mid-level exception number of $8.6 million. And that's your free agency. That's the only tool you have at your disposal. Aaron Gordon's free agency, like I've said on several occasions, is the biggest decision of the summer. You let him walk, all of a sudden you have some cap room and maybe you can go out and add a couple players. You keep them, you're over the cap. And so that is kind of where the magic sits now as they enter free agency. Now, of course... Orlando will probably still have some conversations. Uh, Sign-in trades are a possibility. I'll talk a little bit about those. Um, Magic really probably don't have the ability to do a sign-in trade. I'll explain why. Um, A sign-in trade, at least to acquire a player, I'll explain why in a bit. Um, They probably aren't looking to do a sign-in trade with Aaron Gordon or or doing one. Will be very difficult. I'll explain about that in a little bit uh, later on in the show too. But again... This is just kind of the reality the Magic are in. It's, it's, it's a reality that came because of the big salaries that they've they've dealt they've spent out on Bismack Biombo, on Evan Fournier, on Nikola Vucevic, on Terrence Ross. So the Vuce and Ross are expiring. So maybe they have a little bit of value on the trade market. Um, Orlando's just kind of capped out right now. They've just got too many big salaries on their books, and they got to get off of them somehow. And so that's where the Magic are left here, entering free agency, of course, on July first. And as I said, priority number one will be Aaron Gordon. And all indications from the Magic side of things are that they plan to match any offer on Aaron, or they plan to keep Aaron Gordon. There have been reports and indications that the Magic will match just about any offer on Aaron Gordon. And everything Jeff Waltman has said is, you know, we want to try and keep Gordon. I mean, he knows we've gotten to know him. He's gotten to know us. We think that there's something there. What about Aaron Gordon, though? What does Aaron think of all this? I mean, the last time we heard from Aaron Gordon, he uh, was speaking at exit interviews, and, and he said pretty boldly and uh, not, I, I think seriously, that he believes he's a max player. And he said, you know, I hope we can get something done in Orlando. I think the ideal would be to sign a max contract in Orlando. Wouldn't it be for everyone? A max contract with Aaron Gordon would be a five-year deal. 
starting at $25.5 million. It ends with, I think that final year with the eight, with the 8.5% raises ends them at a little bit north of $28 million per year. So, that is a pretty hefty contract. That is a pretty hefty investment and one that I think Gordon would be very happy with. Get, get You get paid, get paid. You know, that... You know, do do what they say in this and and this is America, get paid. Um, but uh, I think that I think that too that 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 it's a little unrealistic to see Gordon getting a max. But we did hear from Aaron Gordon again on Tuesday at the premiere of the Uncle Drew movie. Yes, Aaron Gordon is in the Uncle Drew movie that is in theaters on Friday. No, I'm probably not going to see it. I'm sorry, Aaron. Um, but uh. I only get three three movies on my movie pass per per month, and Ant and the Wasp man, wa- Ant and and the Wasp is coming out on July fifth, and I think I'm gonna save my movie pass movies for that. Um, but uh, um, but uh, uh, Aaron Gordon was at the premiere for Uncle Drew on Tuesday, um, and he told Ian Begley of ESPN New York that he hopes that. They will be able to get something done with Orlando quickly. He hopes to be able to stay in Orlando quickly. And and this was really, again, this is the first time we've heard from Aaron publicly about his contract situation since the end of the season. It certainly raises hopes that, yes, Orlando and Aaron have a mutual wanting to stay together and that they could get something done without getting into restricted free agency. Believe me, if the Magic could avoid restricted free agency, they would love to do that. We've seen what happened with Alan Crabb, with Otto Porter, where a team swoops in, signs and gets the guy to sign to an offer sheet to a big contract, a backloaded contract, a poison pill contract, something that uh, that that you know is is created to make it hard for the other team to keep him or the other team to match that offer. If the Magic can avoid that, even if they overpay a little bit on the front end, the Magic would prefer to do that. Honestly, I think that the Magic would like to see the situation play out the same way that the Tobias Harris situation played out. Remember, when Tobias Harris was a free agent, was a restricted free agent, Orlando kind of gave him a lowish offer to begin with. And my understanding was they told Tobias Harris... Go get a max offer sheet, and then we'll talk again. Again, there's a mutual wanting to stay together. Tobias Harris went out and got that max offer sheet. I, I literally saw the thing. <laughs> he he got he got that max offer sheet, came back to Orlando, and they agreed to a four-year, $64 million contract, about $17 million per season. And what was really unique about the way that Rob Hennigan structured that contract, and, and at the time we hailed him for doing this really great thing with Tobias Harris, not knowing that he would go off and trade him one less than one year into that contract. But what he did with that contract that was really brilliant was he front-loaded it. The contract re- increased in value the first two years, first two, three years, and then decreased in value on the back end. I could see the Magic doing the same thing with Aaron Gordon here, where they go to Aaron and say, here's our offer. Four years, $21 million a year. So let's say four years, $84 million. 
He's like, I don't know. I think I could do better on the market. The Magic say, okay, go prove you can do better on the market. Bring that off. Don't sign that offer sheet. Bring it back to us and we will match it in structure and up that price. I think that's the direction that these negotiations are probably going to go. Now, if Orlando really believes in him and, and, and they give him a big contract, I don't think they'll give him the max. But if they give him a big contract, he's happy with it and they can get this done before he goes out and hears other teams' pitches, that's probably the ideal for this Magic team. Um, I think if they can save a little bit of money, they'd love to. If they can front load the contract, they'd love to. Um, the way contracts in the NBA are allowed to get set up is you can have a maximum uh, raise, uh, maximum uh, raises of, I believe, 7.5% or 8.5% per year. That can go up or down. So you can start Aaron Gordon at a higher number and then decrease that contract or start him at a number, increase for a year, decrease for a year, increase for a year. You know, do, you can structure the contract very, very differently. It doesn't have to be a flat rate over the course of the contract. It doesn't have to be a uniform increase. They, if, if, if Aaron's amenable to it and the Magic are willing to pay a little bit more maybe up front, Orlando could certainly structure the contract to be a little bit more friendly to them, maybe help them save a little bit more money in a year that they're looking to attack free agency a little bit more um, and, and do all that stuff. The other thing you want to worry about here, if you're the Orlando Magic, and why I think it is probably best to try and get negotiations done before he really hits free agency, is what happened with Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward was a fine player his first four or five years in the league. Didn't, you know, shades of an all-star, it was taking him a little while to, to get, get used to things. He went out and got a max offer sheet from the Charlotte Hornets and was all set to go to Charlotte. He wanted to be in Charlotte. And Utah matched it kind of surprisingly. Not much conversation between the two parties. And a lot of people believe that that instance where Hayward was ready to leave, thought he was gone, and then all of a sudden was brought back to Utah, Everyone kind of believes that influenced Gordon Hayward to eventually leave a playoff-bound Jazz team, a good Jazz team, for the Boston Celtics last summer. And so I think it's important in these negotiations that, yes, it's a business. Yes, you're trying to get Gordon maybe for the cheapest as you can get him, just as Gordon's trying to get as much money as he thinks he can get. I think it's important to remember that there is a personal relationship that has to be built here. And that you don't want to alienate him. You don't want to come in with such a low offer that it ticks him off and he goes off and, and tries to find that max contract and then just signs that offer sheet and dares you to match. You don't want to, um, you don't want to, to be out of communication. You want to communicate and talk to him about what you're hoping for, what, what you're looking for, uh, and where the wiggle room is. I think that's important. But that's all, next, that's all this weekend. That's all Sunday. That's all Sunday talk. What's important today, what's important now as we prepare to, to watch these negotiations, because they are negotiations, are that there is common ground at the start. The bottom line today, as we sit here on June 28th, the bottom line is the Magic want to keep Aaron Gordon and Aaron Gordon wants to stay in Orlando. That is a good starting spot. That is a good way to get a deal done because ultimately the interests of both parties align. And so if you're one that is looking forward to Aaron Gordon being back in a Magic uniform, 
the signs today are good that it will happen. Now, maybe both sides are saying what everyone wants to hear. Maybe they're they're keeping good posture. They're not trying to trying to alienate anyone before they even start. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think the Magic do want to keep Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon wants to stay in Orlando. Of course, I think he wants to get fairly compensated for his services. But I think that uh, that the Magic are in a good spot, and I think that they will be able to get something done, if not quickly, then very, very quickly after the free agency period starts. So hopefully, hopefully, when we get back to Locked on Magic on Monday, July 2nd, we'll have an Aaron Gordon deal in place. Or at the very least, I'll be able to, to come on a, a quick podcast Sunday and say, hey, we've got an Aaron Gordon contract and free agency is pretty much done. We're done here. We'll see you in Summer League this weekend. The one option, though, that, that, that a lot of people talk about um, if, if Aaron Gordon does end up walking, if, if the Magic do end up trading Aaron Gordon, is the possibility of a sign-and-trade deal. Sign-and-trade deals are particularly um, are particularly tricky under the new CBA. It's very, very different than under the previous CBA. Under the previous CBA, you could sign a player to a bird rights contract, trade him to another team as long as the contracts work, as long as the trade is legal. That's no longer the case. In fact, there are several rules now to prevent exactly that kind of arrangement. Now it's now sign and trades are really about a player has to agree to sign to a team that cannot sign him outright. B team that owns his rights has to agree to trade him to that team and then get a compensation package in return. So now you have a sign and trade becomes infinitely more complicated because you now have three elements in the puzzle. You have the player agreeing to to sign with the team, and you have the two teams agreeing to a trade that makes that work. It's a very, very complicated process. It's not simply trading of equal value either. In fact, there are rules that prevent trading of equal value when it comes to free agents and when it comes to sign-and-trade deals. The bottom line here is, if if I could break down what a sign-and-trade deal is into its nuts and bolts, into what... Um, into exactly how it works. It starts here. It starts with the team that is signing the free agent or that will ultimately end up with the free agent is trading away players to create the cap space necessary to absorb the contract they are acquiring. Let me, let me put it in layman's terms then. Let's say I'm a team and I have $5 million of cap space and I want to sign Aaron Gordon to a, we'll keep it simple, a $20 million per year contract. I only have $5 million of space. So now I've got to send out $15 million of salary to clear the cap room to sign Aaron Gordon outright. He doesn't get a bird rights deal in this contract either. It is like a brand new contract doesn't get the 8.5% raises. He gets the regular raises. I think it's 7.5% for, uh, for non-bird right contracts. So Gordon loses a little bit of money on, the front, on, on that end too. So now I've got to trade out enough salary to make it match. Now, it helps a little bit. On top of this, 
the team that is trading, so the magic in this situation, trading Aaron Gordon, keep a little bit of Gordon's cap hit just for the purposes of the trade. I think it's base year compensation, which is, I think, half whatever the outgoing salary is. So they're already at $10 million. That's a $10 million cap hold, essentially. Again, because the Magic are so close to the cap, that doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for them to acquire such a player, to acquire a player in a sign-and-trade. In fact, it makes it downright difficult and nearly impossible. There are not very many teams with cap room this summer. About five teams with max cap space. A lot of them are going after the big fish, like the Lakers, for instance. There are a few teams that could get themselves to max cap space with a couple of deals. And a sign-and-trade is certainly one possibility for them to do so. And it's not that Aaron Gordon will likely get a max contract. But as you can see already, because of some of these rules, you will not get fair value. You are not going to get a player of Aaron Gordon's caliber back in return. It's it's essentially a mechanical device to allow a team that's once over the cap or unable to sign a player into the cap space they have it allow, it's, a, it's a tool that enables them to create the cap room then to acquire and sign this new player. It is not a straight one-for-one trade. You're not trading Aaron Gordon for Kemba Walker. That do, A, I don't believe that's legal, and B, that's not how these things work. Why would, again, why would Aaron Gordon sign with the Hornets if Kemba Walker is gone? Unless they're giving him a max. And so that is a tool that is at the Magic's disposal but it is a difficult one to wield. And I believe if you do it as well, you lose out on your mid-level except on your mid-level exceptions, on some of your exceptions. So again, these kind of deals are highly discouraged by the CBA and very very difficult to pull off. And I don't anticipate that the Magic if they do in fact let Aaron Gordon walk, which again, I don't think they will. I don't think that it's a deal that the Magic can pull off. I don't think it's a, it's a tool that the Magic will be able to use, but it is there if the situation arises. I do not anticipate, again, the Magic using a sign-and-trade in this situation. In fact, I anticipate that the Magic re-sign Aaron Gordon fairly quickly once the free agency period opens up on Sunday. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I'll be doing a little bit of a free agency primer, I think, very similar to what I did earlier on today's episode uh, coming up uh, on coming up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll have a free agency checklist and to-do list coming up as well, as well as a look a little bit into the trade market, looking at some names that might be available that the Magic might target as well. So be sure to look out for that on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at OMagicDaily. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening for Orlando Magic and Orlando, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossman Wright. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.